0: Ephesians 6, verse 9. And we're almost done with a series on work related problems. I still want to do housewives and I want to do retirement. And then perhaps one more, but I think that'll be it. So this evening, our third last, then, work related problems. I'm, I'm going to talk about employees. Last Sunday evening, we looked at employees. And then tonight, employers, Ephesians 6 verse 9, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to please you in every area of our life, and we know we can only do so through Christ, through the righteousness of Christ covering us, and through the life of Christ in us, the power of Christ by the work of the Spirit as we obey the Word. And we pray that you would lead us and teach us this evening how to do so and empower us then to indeed obey. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Many years ago, there was a man who attended our church. He was actually a member here uh, when I was still a student at seminary. And he was a very wealthy man and a director of a a large engineering firm. And one weekend, another engineer in our church went with this director. And they went hunting together. And later on, this other engineer told me, you know, that director in our church, that very uh, important engineer at this engineering firm, it was amazing to me how his colleagues respect him, how his employees respect him and speak very highly of him. It was refreshing to see also the way he treats them, how kind he is, how good he is to them, how friendly he is, and how he treats them with, re- them with respect. If you want to be an employer like that, and that doesn't only go for being an employer of a company, even at your house, the way you treat the people who work for you, the domestic worker or the person working in your garden, or perhaps you're a teacher at a school, you're going to have to learn Ephesians 6 verse 9 and obey this verse. So let's read it. Paul says, Masters, do the same to them, to your slaves. Now we can apply this to employers and employees also. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there's no partiality with him. So first of all, again, consider your role. Consider your role. So you get different kinds of employers. Some employers, they are just like a closed book. Uh, they like a shut door, a locked door. It's like you cannot approach them. They're unapproachable. So if an employee wants to ask something, he doesn't really want to ask because this boss is ill-mannered and you cannot really approach him. People are scared of him. And then there are the others This boss, this employer, he's everyone's buddy and he treats you like you you and I are equals. I'm not really the boss. If I look at the New Testament and the rest of Scripture, it teaches something in between those two. It teaches that you have employers, they are well mannered, they're kind, they're friendly, they're helpful, but then they're still the boss. You're not equals at work, you've got different roles. And now someone might immediately respond by saying, but what about Ephesians 5.21, where Paul says we should submit to one another, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And especially if my boss is a Christian, we equals. Well, let me explain the verse. That verse is really like an introduction to the rest that is coming when it comes to relationships. Uh, first in marriage, chapter 5, verse 22 to the end then children and parents chapter 6 verse 1 to 4 and then slaves and masters or employers and employees in verse 5 chapter 6 verse 5 to 9 so what paul's really saying in 5 21 is we should submit to one another out of reverence for christ we should submit to those god has placed over us that's what it's saying let me give you examples paul says first in marriage wives submit to your husbands verse 22 to 24 then in when it comes to children and parents children Submit yourselves to your parents. Obey your parents, chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. And then slaves, in the workplace, you obey your masters, 6, verse 5 to 8. What this doesn't mean is, oh, husbands, submit to your wives. And parents, you should also submit to your children. And slaves or masters, you should submit to your slaves. It doesn't mean that. It simply means when it comes to relationships where you are under authority submit to that authority. And then of course if you are in a position of authority you're the husband, you're the parent, you're the master you should realize you have a very great responsibility before the Lord. Uh, God is going to judge you with a stricter judgment as James 3 verse 1 tells us. And also uh, like King Saul in 1 Samuel 15. I didn't know I should do this. And Samuel said, it is no little thing that you are the king of Israel. Don't think this is a small matter and you're a small person. You've got great responsibility, Saul. And so you have to do what God tells you. And what does God tell you? Verse 9. Masters, do the same. Do what the same? Well, the previous verses. It doesn't mean you also have to be a slave. What it does mean is the same principles that go for the slave, those principles go for you as a master. goes for you as an employer. So what are those principles? You must be filled with the Spirit. Verse 9, masters. Where did that start, these commands? Chapter 5, verse 18. Don't get drunk with wine, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And if you're filled with the Spirit, these are what your relationships will look like. And so you need to be filled with the Spirit. I'm not going to repeat what I said last week. You can read last week's sermons, or at least uh, if you're not Afrikaans speaking, you can listen to it on SoundCloud. Work-related problems, employees. And you'll hear in that sermon, how should we and how must we be filled with the Holy Spirit and what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And then you have to have a sincere heart. In verse 5 he said, that you should, the slave should obey with a sincere heart. Now we can say in verse 9, do the same, meaning now you should lead with a sincere heart. Be upright is what it's really saying. So don't, don't smile at your employees, but behind their backs you complain about what bad workers they are and what bad jobs they do. Look at what a bad job he has done. But then when you come to them, you smile and, and nothing's wrong. What you want to do is you want to sort out problems in a biblical way, you want to sort out problems in a kind way. Go to them, speak softly, and show them, Employee, this is what I expect of you. And and perhaps even show them how to do it. Demonstrate. And then also work as if for the Lord. End of verse 5 says, As you would Christ. And then in verse 7 it says, End of verse 7, As to the Lord and not to man. Verse 9, Masters do the same. So you also do your work as if for the Lord. And then... <coughs> In verse 9, it says, Do the same. So, in other words, you must be just and fair. Colossians 4, verse 1 says that you should be fair with your employees. Let me just read the verse. Colossians 4, verse 1. Paul says, Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly. So, don't give preference to some. And these guys can leave early. And then others, just because you don't like them, you keep them back, you hold them back, and they have to stay off to work and do extra work. And for some, you give a salary increase and you promote them. But then there are others, they work equally hard and you just keep them in that low position because you don't like them. No, justly and fairly, Paul said. And then also, set an example to your employees. Set an example. Uh, hard work, hard work, but then you can 't expect them to work hard, but you don 't do it. you don 't do it, you come in late every day, you leave early, and every now and then you 're on the beach somewhere, you 're on the golf course. well that 's not a good example. And then be friendly and work with a good will and work with enthusiasm, verse seven, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord, a good will. And I explained that last week, and our verse nine masters do the same. So you want to work with a goodwill, with enthusiasm. And come like a bear with a sore tooth and you, you're all grumpy when you arrive at work in the morning and you make everyone's day hard and difficult. And then also remember what it was like when you were an employee. Think of that. Put yourself in the employee's shoes. Don't forget what it was like to be an operational level. And then you come down on this poor employee like a ton of bricks. No, listen. Listen to their struggles. Listen to their trials. Listen to the difficulties on operational level. And the things they're concerned. Listen to their concerns. And then furthermore, do not be uh, a leader without backbone. Because you want everyone to like you. You're a people pleaser. Verse 6. Not by way of eye service as people pleases. Verse 9. Do the same, masters. Don't be a people pleaser. You have no backbone. No, you should fear God. Fear God instead of fearing people. Fear God and do what He tells you. So if people are dishonest at work, or they steal, or they work with a slack hand, or they do poor work, bad quality, always challenging the boss, always questioning the boss, well, then you'll have to speak to them. Do not fear men. Don't be a people pleaser. Go up to them and say, we need to talk about this. And if they will not listen, then there needs to be a disciplinary hearing. You need to take it further. And now you might respond by saying to me, well, it's not that easy. Because the the law of this land, the Constitution protects the employees' rights. And they get away with murder. And besides such a a schlep, it's, it's really difficult to work with a CCMA. Well, I understand that. I understand that. But if you're going to leave the matter and not going to discipline and not going to take on problems and say we need to sort this out, well, in the end, you're going to have bigger problems. And I'll, I'll explain that later on. Number two, second command stop your threatening. And that's in verse 9. Those exact words. When I just finished school, I worked at a restaurant for some extra money. And the boss was an emotional seesaw. He was an emotional roller coaster. This guy was, he had such a short temper. One day he would come in and he's all friendly and chirpy and happy and greets the employees, morning, morning, morning. And then the next morning he's in such a bad mood and he's shouting and he's fighting and he's cursing and swearing at the employees. And Paul says, no, no, stop you're threatening. Don't lead by fear. Don't lead by you want everyone to be dead. You want everyone to tremble when you arrive. Like some parents. Some parents, that's the way they raise their kids. I will kill you if you do this again. And you see those poor kids trembling in their shoes. Don't be like that as an employer. Constantly threatening your employees, I'm going to fire you if you do this. You know your work is in the balance. Your job is in the balance. <clears throat> and then when your when your employee does something wrong, you threaten instead of doing it the Christian way, remain calm, speak to the employee and find out was this an, a mistake or is this on, was, was this done on purpose? Did the employee did this do this on purpose? Is it the first time? Is this uh, the exception? Or does this often happen with this employee? He's always constantly in trouble, doing things he shouldn't do. Does he have a respectful attitude? Is he really sorry about his mistake? Or is he challenging you and he's swearing at you and doing that kind of thing? And then, on the ground of that, you make a decision. Is it necessary to take further steps or not? And if it is necessary, well, do it. Because if you keep on leaving the matter, in the end, you're going to lose your temper. You just look over it. You just look over it. You don't see it. You just ignore it, ignore it. Eventually, you lose your temper, and then you act like a Christian shouldn't act and respond like a Christian shouldn't. And then what will happen is the employees, they will have no respect for you, and they will start being rebellious in their hearts because here they have an employer that shouts at them and swears at them and threatens them. And they're going to take you to the CCMA without a doubt. And in the end what's going to happen is that it doesn't help them if you get angry and you threaten because they don't see their mistake. They don't see, oh I understand, this is what I did wrong. No, all they see is your mistake and so it's going to be very hard for you to win their respect again to win that back and you just throw away your chances of sharing the gospel with them they're not going to take that seriously who wants to listen to someone speaking about the Lord but your life doesn't reflect that and so what you want to do is you want to be an employer when something happens when an employee is really causing trouble then you want to act swiftly and you want to be Consistent and you want to be fair. And what'll happen if you if you act in that way? Well, you're gonna remain calm because you speak calmly, and then if there's no obedience to that, what you're gonna act. So you remain calm, you are in control of your emotions, and then you're helping the employee to see this is the error, you calm, you show him that, and this is what you need to do, and then the other employees They're going to see we can't take chances with this boss. If we're going to do wrong, he's going to act. And then also the employee who's guilty, well, by acting swiftly, quickly, and with fairness, you are stopping his influence, that it won't spread and start rotting the other apples and influencing the other employees because you are calm and yet firm. And your employees will respect you. And... Such action, it honors God. Now perhaps you don't want to walk this road of discipline and disciplinary hearings because you think, if I discipline this guy, he's going to sit without a job. He's got a wife and kids. I'm responsible for making a man lose his job. I can't, I simply cannot fire him. I understand we we shouldn't be in a hurry to take disciplinary steps, but... If the person does not listen, you have to take steps of discipline. It's for his good. How is it for his good? It's for his good because if you keep on giving him a chance and giving him a chance and giving him a chance, he never learns to be a good employee. Where if you take firm and serious and drastic steps and drastic measures, that's perhaps what he needs to learn. I must not do this again. Where if you soft, he will do it again. And then I want to warn you and instruct you and exhort you also, don't let one troublemaker rule your life. Remember, there are 25 other employees who want this job and who do their work. So be just and be fair with them and reward them for their good work. So don't pay them minimum wage when they do a good job and they're working hard. The laborer deserves his wages. Jesus taught us that. Luke 10 verse 7. So don't pay minimum wage because actually while you're doing that, is or should I ask you are you doing that perhaps because you want more money in your pocket? Don't hold back salary. That's an, another important application. Don't hold back the employee's salary because you want extra interest in your bank account. Or you only pay them half of the salary and say I'll pay you, I'll pay you in five days time I'll pay you the rest. God's going to judge you for that. James chapter 5 verse 1 to 6. If you keep back their salary, their wages, God's going to punish you. So you need to sort things out with the Lord. You need to come and repent of your sin and confess your sin. And you need to sort things out with your employees. You need to give them a chance as well to live in a right relationship with God. And I do not mean merely evangelizing them. What I mean is don't overburden them and you just heap up the work and heap up the work and heap up the work and they have no time for devotions. They have no time to go to church. They don't have time for their families and for their children, for their marriages because you're just overloading them with work. The kind of thing where you give give three people's work to one person and this one person has to do the job. Because you want to save money. You don't want to have the extra expenditure of employing other people. Or the kind of thing where you promise a person, you say, yes, you're only going to work five days a week and in the end he works seven. So he has to work Saturdays and Sundays and he never gets time to be with the believers. And that does not honor God and you know that. It doesn't help you, you overload this poor employee and in the end he burns out or she burns out and then you, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot because now you're losing an employee. So don't overload, overload your employees like a, a horse or like a donkey or drive them like slaves. You shouldn't even do that with a horse. And the fact that, that you might, might be a workaholic doesn't mean everyone has to be a workaholic. So don't expect an unreasonable amount of work, an impossible amount of work to be done by this employee. A load that you cannot even bear. but you want them to bear it. And then you call it performance management, performance management. And why do you do it? Is it perhaps you're doing this because these employees are costing you too much and really you want to get rid of some of them? You want more money for yourself? Or is that perhaps why you send people and say, no, 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 it's an early retirement. We have to send people in an early retirement. Or that's why we do restructuring. Restructuring so you have to reapply for this post, for this job. And suddenly the person who did this job for 17 years does not qualify anymore because we've done restructuring. We've just given it a new name. And you cut their salary. But you still, you still drive your BMW X5 and you live in your 7 million rand house. The Bible does not have good things to say about people who are greedy. You just read the stories of Biliam or Balaam, Biliam in Afrikaans, Balaam and Judas and Simon the sorcerer. You just read what Jesus said about greed. Your soul will be reckoned or asked and taken from you this night. You just read Luke 16, what happened to the rich man. You read what 2 Peter says about greedy people. There's a storm coming. Verse 9. You must remember both their master and yours is in heaven and there's no partiality with him colossians 3 verse 25 for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done and there's no partiality you're not being led off the hook just because you're in you're a director number three acknowledge jesus as lord Some years back, uh, another church wanted to rent our building to have their services. Let's say when we don't have our services, let's say they want a Sunday afternoon or something. And uh, (coughs) so three of the church people arrived at my house in a big black Mercedes, Mercedes Benz. A bishop, a pastor, and the bishop's wife. So this pastor is like a slave to the bishop. Uh, when the bishop and I stood talking before the guy left, this pastor, he opens the car door for the bishop, turns the ignition so the car can start so long and idle, so the bishop can be ready, close the door when the bishop gets in. Almost got the idea that this bishop wanted some position as a kind of God. Uh, by the way, if you want to know, we said no to them. Simply because of that, I didn't know it's a prosperity church, and we don't want to associate ourselves with that kind of thing. Uh, never mind the illustration to draw it to our text and to the topic this evening. Even in your position as an employer, you must remember you are always under God. You must submit yourself to God. Submit yourself to His Word. And for this to happen, first and foremost, you must repent. You must repent. You must repent. You must be saved. You must be converted and not merely follow, oh, good business principles from the book of Proverbs. No, you must be converted and become a new creature in Christ. You must acknowledge Jesus as Lord, not merely a Savior, So don't believe the false distinction people make when they say, you can have Jesus as your Savior not as your Lord. In other words, you're saved, but you're still living in sin. That is absolute nonsense. You cannot divide Jesus. Either you accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, or you do not accept Him as all. Do not receive Him at all. So trust in Him as your Savior who died for your sins on a cross, but also trust in Him and worship Him and bow the knee to Him as your Lord, the Lord who has risen from the dead, who has conquered Satan and sin and death and hell. If you call yourself a Christian, you do not have a choice but to obey Ephesians 6 verse 9. Jesus is your Lord. He commands you. And if you will not obey Ephesians 6 verse 9, it is better for you to confess, Jesus is not my Lord and I am not a Christian. Jesus said that. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I tell you? But if you are a Christian, then you should live like one. You should set the example. If you're a Christian employer, set the example to your employees. Don't expect of them to do right, but you constantly, you're busy bending the rules to suit you. And also remember, you are not God. You are a human being. So don't try and micromanage your employees. So even if your employee, he does not do the job in exactly the same way you would do it, but the job gets done, the job is properly done, and he finishes the job, he does it well, well, leave him. Don't micromanage. If you micromanage, your employees, well, they start becoming dependent on you. And then they can never do the job alone. And then what happens the day when you're sick? What happens when you're on leave? Then the job cannot get done because you micromanage. And the fact also further further. Furthermore, the fact that Jesus alone is Lord, it also means your employees, they do not have to swear absolute loyalty, absolute devotion to you and to the company. They should give their best, but they are not your slaves. They are not people who have to worship you and bow to your every whim. You should rather than remember that you too are a slave. If you're a Christian, you're a slave of Jesus Christ. And think about this. Jesus is a good master. He's a kind master. So why not rather follow his example? The example he gave us and the example he taught us in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 to 28. He said... what Christian leaders should be like. Matthew 20, verse 25 to 28. Jesus called his disciples and said, he called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Follow that example. In the way you serve your employees, you help them, you lead them, you lead by example. And if you treat them that way, well, God will reward you. End of verse 8. This he will receive back from the Lord, Whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And then in verse 9 at the end, it speaks of God who is our master. There is no partiality. So God will reward. God is not an unrighteous judge. God is not unrighteous and unjust like some employers where there is partiality and this one gets preference and that one doesn't. No, God is a God he will judge righteously. And the fact that he will reward you for the work you do That shows your job is important to God. God is not merely interested and only interested that you read the Bible and you spend time in prayer and you're involved in the church and do other spiritual stuff. God is interested in your work. God sees the way you do your job as an employer. So how are you faring? How are you doing? Do you say, well, I'm not doing too good, but at least I do a better job than my employees? Well, stop comparing yourselves to them, or yourself to them. God's not going to judge you for what they do wrong and everything they do wrong. God's going to see how did you do your job, the job he gave you. Perhaps you say, well, uh, to tell you the truth, I'm not really doing God's will as an employer. I should do better, I know that. Well, God's grace is greater than your sin. So take the matter to Him in prayer. And then then ask the Lord. Ask Him daily. Lord, help me. Help me to do my job well. Help me to honor you in the workplace. And and pray for every one of your employees by name. Perhaps not every morning for all of them. But why not split up the list and split it up in, let's pray for five or ten employees a day. And bring them before the Lord. And take God on his word. And believe his promises and see if the Lord will not answer your prayers. He promises, ask and you will receive. He says he rewards those who seek him. So do not forget to pray. If you forget to pray, you will not receive. James 4. I quoted it this morning. You do not have because you do not ask. But if you do pray and you do trust God and you do take him at his word and you do obey God, you can do far more abundantly than all that you ask or think. Reminds me of the late Martin Holt. There was a very, very rich businessman. This businessman, his business was busy sinking. It was going down. And he was very concerned. And so he spoke to Martin, and Martin said, I suggest we fast and pray about the matter. And they did. The day after they fasted, this, in, this, this rich businessman called Martin. He says, you will not believe it. You will not believe it. The International Cricket Council... There's come a request to them. I don't know how it got there. I don't know anything about it, but a request came saying, please, the players want to use this product, and it's my product. I've got international publicity. My product, my company got advertisement for free on Sky News. Well, they didn't accept the offer, the International Cricket Council, and they didn't accept the request. They said, "No, we're not going to use this product." But I got free publicity. The phones will not stop ringing. We don't have enough hands to help with all the work that's coming in. And that, in the end, that is what God wants. God wants employers who will not trust in themselves and in their own abilities, but who will know the Lord in everything they do, who will trust Him in all their ways and acknowledge Him and employers who will do their job as God commands us in His Word. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You that Your Word is full of practical wisdom. And I pray that you would guide Christian employers and teach them how to do their jobs to the glory of your name and to trust you and not in themselves, not in their education, not in their skill or their experience, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. And not merely trusting Jesus to help them with their jobs, but to trust Jesus for salvation. Salvation from judgment, salvation from sin. Salvation unto holiness and obedience. And then also trust you in the workplace, that even there, they would shine the light of Jesus for the glory of your name. Amen.